You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I'm your co-host, Brandon Ware, here with my lovely other half, Dr. Jess. Hello. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you feeling today? I feel good. Is there something is there something you wanted to add to that? Well, we're going to be talking about emotional expression and specifically men expressing themselves emotionally. Hmm, interesting. But I, all people. Yeah, I mean, I think talking about men expressing themselves is interesting because growing up, I didn't express myself very much. And even now, I don't know that I express myself the way that I should with other men in my life. Do you feel like you express yourself to me? I think I do. And then I have these moments where I think I should tell you what I'm feeling. And maybe I'm just feeling super emotional. I I had a moment the other day when I was just wanting to come up and tell you how much I care about you and how much I love you and what you mean to me and how much you do for me. And you know what? I didn't do it. I'm telling you that I thought about it then. (laughs) Oh, I'm I'm listening. So you're listening now. (laughs) But in the moment, I didn't think about that. Now, I have so many opportunities to tell you that. Whereas with... Because I'm always here. Because you're always here. (laughs) But with the friends, the, the men in my life, the male presence in my life, I'm not around them as much. And when I am, often I I don't have really deep connections with them. So if I think or feel this way, I don't express it to them. When you think about the circle of people you really love, like, is it easy to identify who those people are? Yeah, it's easy. I'm finding as I get older that circle is becoming smaller. Okay. Do Do you, have you told them? No. Like have, you tell oh, me hold you... on. Have I told them that I care about them, that I love them? Mm-hmm. No. And when I do, it seems to be very quick. You know, with the people, with some of the people, it's just like, okay, yeah, love you. Okay, talk to you soon or see you soon. All right. It's like, a, yeah, and you, you always have been like that ever since we've been together. Like when we hang up the phone, you always say I love you. When you say goodbye, you always say you love me. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. But it is, do you find there's people in your life who say it and it, you, you're curious as to what it really means? Yeah, I think that there are people in my life where it's just a formality. It's what needs to be said. Hmm. And then there, are there people in your life you wish you said it to? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there are people. And I think I have to reflect on those relationships. And if I were to reflect on those relationships, I would realize that they are that important to me. But I think with certain friendships and relationships, it takes time. And all of a sudden, one day you're like, wow, I, you know what? I love you. Like, I, I really care about you. And that evolves over time. And then at that point, it's kind of, it's almost awkward to say out of the blue one day, hey, I love you, right? And especially for me, like for some of the the male friends in my life, all of a sudden out of the blue, after, you know, you become friends with someone after six months or nine months or however long, one day over drinks or one day playing a a sport, hey, I, I love you. Or how else do you express yourself in a way that lets that person know, hey man, I really care about you. And I don't, you know, I need to just forget about all these other pressures that tell me I can't express myself this way, right? Because you really do matter to me. Yeah. I mean, you know, I struggle with that. Like I have no problem telling you how I feel. And then I find that like almost with people who are, I don't want to say strangers, but newer in my life, Mm. I can do it. I can be a little bit more honest, but there's like this middle ground of people I've had long relationships with where I'm not good at it. So we're going to be talking about that today. Awesome. We need some help with this and James Harris is going to help us. Before James joins us, I want to shout out 
tsc.ca. You know tsc.ca. That is where I host the show, Intimately You. It actually airs on City TV, but they have holiday pricing right now. So I'm going to say run, don't walk to tsc.ca. Head over to tsc.ca slash Intimately You. My code is still good. It's not good for much longer. Dr. Jess 25, 25% off all the toys, folks all the toys. So the Lalos, the Womanizers, the Wee Vibes, the Romps, all of that jazz. Uh, I know that everybody's having kind of that Cyber Monday week pricing, but uh, I don't think you're going to get more than 25. I think this is the best discount that exists. So that's for people who are in Canada, tse.ca slash intimately you do check it out. All right, we are ready to talk emotional expression. Joining us now is James Harris, licensed mental health practitioner, founder of Men to Heal, author of Man, Just Express Yourself, and creator of Cheesy Dates Board Game. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, listen, I appreciate you for having me, extending the invitation. I'm glad that we finally get to connect. Yeah, so we are overdue. I've been following your work, really appreciating even the bite-sized stuff that you're putting out on Instagram. And for folks who don't know you, we want to learn more. So I'm wondering if you can tell us a bit about your journey to becoming a therapist. I know you're a father, you're a veteran. I read that you did two deployments in Iraq and Afghanistan. You have multiple business ventures. You're not just a sneaker collector, although that would be pretty cool. But your passion really is mental health. So tell us how and why you were drawn to this work. Yeah, so to, I guess the shorter story would be, um, I was pretty much born into it. So when I was younger, I was in foster care and group home. And at that point, being a ward of the state, therapy is mandatory, which means you got to go weekly. And for me, it wasn't a pleasant experience because cultural reasons, I guess you can say, not just ethnicity, but age-wise, you know, I'm this young black kid from the projects. And most of the therapists at that time assigned to the state were older white men or older white women, you know, so it was just an unrelatable process. So I didn't obtain as much as I could from therapy at that time. And, you know, oftentimes I felt like um, it probably was a check in the box that the facility had to do. Um, group home, you know, they probably had to ensure that they're maintaining their numbers or getting certain funding based on having kids in therapy. So anyway, fast forward, I knew the benefits of therapy and I knew it could help me. I just didn't have the right therapy. It was no cohesive bond. It wasn't a fun process at that time. So then when I joined the army, wind up doing eight years, two deployments, like you said, one in Iraq, one in Afghanistan, knew I was different, wanted to ensure that I was still able to take care of my family and not be as different, you know, uh, PTSD, because I was a gunner. So a lot of combat experience, a lot of, you know, grief and trauma associated with that. So of course I was impacted and I was affected. So I tried therapy again. And this time it was a similar experience. You know, uh, the therapists that the VA had, most of them didn't have combat experience and they just was unrelatable as well. So I found myself again, like, oh man, this, I know therapy can help, but it's not registering. I mean, that's part of the reason too, why a lot of veterans tend to go to the group supposed to individual therapy, because that group setting, you got that cohesive spirit experience. You got people with that shared lived experience. You guys can bounce things off each other, which is fortunate. So for me, I just like, oh man, and this this might be something that I have to take on, you know, just so I can service that urban community, that male population, that veteran population from experience and not just from the settings of what I learned in a book or a case study. You know, this is actual life. So the empathy is different and the actual experience is different. So I was fortunate, you know, uh, prior to that, like after, you know, I emancipated myself at 16 and, you know, started living life, started doing what I had to do. So I went to college. Um, and then, you know, within that time frame, I joined the army so I wouldn't be homeless anymore, you know? So it was just, you know, a life lesson, just a, a journey really. 
You know, I'm curious. First of all, thank you for sharing. I can't imagine it's easy to go through therapy that didn't, you said it didn't work for you, but I'm curious, did it do harm? I wouldn't say it did any harm. I would just say it, it didn't enhance, you know, it didn't add value. It didn't increase my lifestyle or my knowledge at that particular time. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't obtain from it, you know, what I think I could implement. Like I can't point to a time where I could say, oh, I learned this in therapy and it helped. Like, like look, viewing my clients now, whether they're couples or individuals, I can go back and read a text from them and say, hey, I tried what we did in therapy last week and it worked. Or I did this with my wife or my husband. Or, hey, listen, my son said, you know, I can, I can pinpoint those things. I can't recall a time in therapy, whether it was in my adolescence or uh, during the military time that I can say, you know what, my therapist suggested this and it worked. Or, you know, so for me, I wouldn't say it was a, it did harm. I just would say it didn't, it didn't assist me. You know, and I, we talk about this all the time on, on the podcast, the fact that we need therapists from all walks of life, from all backgrounds, therapists of different races with different ethnic backgrounds and also with different experiences. So I think I've worked with, I think, such a broad population and I don't work with veterans and I don't think I'd feel equipped to work with veterans, especially when you talk. I, I'm sure there's a difference between like, you know, as you said, you were a gunner and you saw combat versus somebody perhaps who was in the military, but in, in more of an administrative role. I'm sure those experiences are are very very different so i'm so appreciative that you're doing the work you're doing yeah and i'm glad that you recognize too that you wouldn't you know it wouldn't be beneficial for you to serve that population and i think with me coming up a lot of therapists weren't recognizing of that or they like i said just was all right cool i'll just check the box you know they got to come so i'll just put them through that and i know for me too like i i would prefer to work with a certain population and i'm drawn to a certain population and vice versa so you know for me i'm sure you probably heard all the time cultural competence but i think it's definitely important to be from the actual culture whether that's the age group or whether that's the ethnicity or whether that's the, you know the veteran status or ses status or you know just to make it relatable and cohesive because it's a, a two-way process. And I think people, they get that Hollywood notion thinking that the therapist is the only person that's supposed to do the work. No, you got to do the work. <laughs> even, you know, even when you leave my office, it's things that you have to do. So I think building that rapport and having that cohesive bond, it, it works better because you can, you can, like I can bond over my clients over sneakers because, you know, they see that uncle wearing it or they, you know, that's something that they want to aspire to or whatever. Or, you know, just talking about that veteran when he say, when I walk in the aisle in the grocery store, the smell of meats just get to me as if I'm still on the battlefield, you know, because it happened to me as well. You know, it's more like, you know, it's it's a more I can be in your place, but I also can assist you with things that assisted me in getting through this journey. And let me just tell you what I did learn in the DSM. It's more than just one option. It's a well-rounded, holistic growth experience. Yeah, and that experience, you just can't compare it. You can't read a book and understand what it's like to be mixed race. You can't under, you can't read a book and understand what it's like to be a veteran. I, I can't. I can't fathom what it's like to be a veteran. It's not something I ever considered. So when we think about therapy, you're describing to me like new therapy versus old, an older approach to therapy. Like when you think about that older person who's supposed to guide you and give you the answers and this kind of elite notion that therapists have some, some knowledge, something special that the rest of us maybe don't, when in fact, you know, the answers are <laughs> kind of inside all of us and the therapist there is there to 
to guide you, to facilitate, perhaps to challenge you a little. And I think that that's what the newer generation of therapists are seeing. And I'm not saying that older therapists haven't embraced it, but I think it, it may be more of a struggle. I, I can say from training therapists, from doing uh, training with therapists, I run into resistance all the time where they're kind of like, sweetie, I've been doing this 30 years. And I'm like, that's really cool. What we're talking about right now is racial bias. And that's going to be different. It doesn't matter 30 years experience. We all have to unpack that. Uh, I'm curious if you think that therapy is for everyone. Because sometimes, you know, I'm finding this, that people find therapy and it is life-changing for them. Especially people who are from cultures where maybe we don't openly and regularly embrace therapy. So someone in the family finds therapy, it changes their lives, and then they want everyone in the family to benefit from it, to go into therapy. But not everybody's willing, you know, like we might have aunties or grandmas or parents who just aren't there. So do you believe that therapy is for everyone? Do you believe there are other ways to access therapy other than kind of one-on-one with a therapist? So I I do believe that there's a difference between therapy and things that are therapeutic. So I think everybody can benefit from doing things that are therapeutic, whether that's going to a physical office and talking with somebody in psychotherapy, or whether that's listening to music or writing in a journal or doing mindfulness, meditation and stuff like that. Um, because I think culturally it is different with people of different backgrounds, whether that's age or ethnicity, you know, like the, like the older generation you said, like they'll much rather keep things internal with in the house or within the family. And now this newer generation is more expressive. They're posted or they're definitely talk about uh, seeking help and assistance. Um, and then also a lot of people don't benefit from like a trusting relationship because of things that transpire within them. So it'll be difficult for them to be convinced that a total stranger is unbiased and wouldn't, you know, break confidentiality because, you know, everybody think that I can tell you information, but it's a confidentiality piece. You know, that intake session is definitely intense when I'm telling you, hey, everything that stays in this room is between us. I can't break it unless you, you know, tell me X, Y, Z or harm, you know, those confidentiality rules and stuff. But convincing a total stranger of that with no insight of therapy is difficult. Like, uh, no, if I tell you this, I might get my kids taken or you might tell my boss, I might lose my job or, you know, so it might cause me a divorce or impact my relationship. A lot of people feel like, no, I'm not going. I'd much rather do different things. And sadly, though, those different things have come to not always positive. You know, they become detriment in some areas, whether it's substance use, uh, being promiscuous or being reckless. You know, so if we can transform those things to positive outlet, I think it will definitely be benefiting for not only the person, the individual, but people vicariously around them, the family, the friends, the co-workers. You know, so I, I wouldn't suggest like you going to a physical office and see somebody if that's not what you want. Um, but I would suggest you to do things that are therapeutic to enhance your lifestyle so you can be a better person for everybody else and yourself, of course. You know, but of course, it'll be a lot of convincing and because me personally I don't want to work with a client that's constantly resisting and I tell wives this all the time when they say please help my husband listen I can't help anybody who don't want help or anybody who don't say issue with their actions so until he's ready you know I'll suggest that you do you know and give her a checklist but 
I prefer to work with clients who will say, hey, listen, this happened. I'm trying to change. What can I do? You know, so those clients are more open to the process and they are willing to see it through opposed to somebody who, you know, my partner made me come or I'm here because my parent, you know, those ones uh, tend to be a challenge uh, at the beginning. You know, it's just too many layers you have to unpack. But if somebody's willing to do the work, I think it's a little bit more easier. Absolutely. And you see that all the time in couples therapy where the relationship is over and then they decide to go to therapy. I think oftentimes to say, well, we even did therapy, but they've arrived at your door completely defeated. And it's I mean, it's not easy to call out because it's not always easy to immediately recognize. Right. Uh, One person still wanted and the other one probably is, you know, is done with the situation. Yeah, that's a that's a really tough situation. Uh, And it, you know, it reminds us that not every relationship has to last forever to be successful, right? The dissolution of a relationship can be part of its success. Uh, So so speaking of therapeutic approaches, as opposed to therapy itself, or psychotherapy, uh, you have a tool, you have a book called Man Just Express Yourself. Uh, And in this book, yeah, I love it. You and everybody needs to head on over to Amazon and order Man Just Express Yourself by James Harris. You, in this book, you break down language to help men specifically, but I think it's helpful to anyone, help men open up emotionally. And so this is a tool that is therapeutic. It's a self-help book. I think therapists also are using this as a tool. So can you help share some of the language that you delineate in the book. So let's say, for example, someone is struggling to say what they feel. Let's say they've been feeling really down. They've been feeling just kind of like not like themselves. Um, They probably aren't using the language of depression. Maybe they can't access that. And maybe they've never had any models of how to open up. What would you suggest? I know you have lots of resources in the book, but where could people begin? Like, I'm just not feeling right. I'm feeling just not myself, but I've never, I've never been able to like tell anybody that before, right? Maybe I'm always the funny guy. Maybe I'm always the positive person. Where do we begin so you know the ironic thing is man just express yourself to me is more than a title um and I, I put it that way because people often say oh man men just don't open up or men you know wives or or partners would be like i wonder what he's thinking why wouldn't he just talk to me why wouldn't he tell me and the the, the wild thing is like men do express themselves again it's just not in those healthy ways all the time you know it's anger or resentment or you know reckless behavior many men have become promiscuous or use a substance rather than just saying hey i need a hug i'm feeling sad or i'm feeling down or i don't know what's going on for me i do a lot of re-educating i got a lot of athletes um basketball football you know who don't know what depression is they think i've had so many different dominant physically athletes saying oh that's for cheerleaders i had seven tackles the other day or what do you mean i put up 20 points the other day i can't be depressed i'm you know that's what cheerleaders and once i break it down to them like hey man um how's your appetite are you eating like you normally do are you sleeping like you normally do any loss of pleasure are you interacting with your teammates are you easily irritable or distracted you know what's going on so after we break it down to that we uncover those layers we get into it and they be like oh man I haven't been, you know, I only ate once the other day, or I've been tossing a turn and it's difficult for me to stay asleep or fall asleep. Or, uh, yeah, I normally hang with my teammates out to practice every day, but I've been distant. You know, I right, but also you might be depressed. Now that we know what it is, let's figure out, you know, how to 
learn from it and build on those tools. So those are some of the things that we do. So it's pretty much re-educating. The book is benefiting because a lot of people don't know how to articulate what, you know, what they're feeling. Um, and this way, you can not only write out your answer, but it's a section for you to draw out your answer as well. And that's beneficial for the younger generation or the, the generation that just like to be creative and artistic. I got so many different visuals and, you know, narrative that people have been spending. It's been phenomenal. This couple who was married, uh, 46 years left for review. The wife said we've been married 45 years at the time. And this is the most that my husband ever opened up to me in the 45 years. And to me, that was so grand and a, a phenomenal review because one, I'm 35. You've been married longer than I've been, <laughs> been born. And to know that my two was benefiting to your relationship and to have him you know, just uncover and enter things to you is, is amazing. In the book, I'm talking about affirmation, goals, trauma, grief, mood, displacement, abandonment, anger, grief, coping, lifestyles, uh, leadership, peer pressure, you know, so many different conflicting thoughts that men often don't talk about unless they're in the barbershop or the mechanic shop or, you know, the pool hall, or you know, playing ball with your boys. But the people who actually need this information aren't normally getting it, which is your partner at home or your, your children, you know. So for me, that's why I decided to do it. And, and one of the biggest chapters in here is the chapter on displacement. A lot of people have displacement and don't even know it. So a, a short example of displacement would be like, Let's say you at work, you're doing everything correct that you think of, um, but your boss is coming in and he's yelling, telling you to meet deadlines. So you can't yell back at your boss because, you know, you'll get reprimanded or you can't confront your, your supervisor, your fellow coworkers because you probably get an EEO complaint or something like that. But what happened? He goes home or she goes home. And now that innocent partner who's cooking, you know, why are you banging apart so loud? Or why these kids got all these toys in the floor? Like you're displacing that anger to the people who had nothing to do with the real issue, you know, so that displacement chapter has been a phenomenal tool for a lot of different people I'm hearing, you know, based on reviews. I really struggle with that, I think, uh, like being frustrated about one thing and then taking it out elsewhere where it's like a safe place. I know that Brandon's not going to walk out on me if I freak out over a small thing. And I sort of grew up with that, with that that type of frustration in the home. And I've, I've been catching myself, especially over the last year or so, you know, 18 months since since being at home with the pandemic, getting really pissy about small things like a little bit of dirt in the corner or like something that's not in its place in the house getting really angry and frustrated over things that honestly I don't get I don't care about like it's I, in the big picture I'm actually frustrated about something else I'm frustrated because I'm not doing my regular job I'm frustrated because I'm not out on the road giving my speeches and doing the things that like I get energy from and interacting with groups I'm frustrated because I find zoom super tiring but I'm I'm taking it out and I'm really displacing that energy and so like I have different strategies for catching myself I remember someone I worked with telling me that at the end of the day because she used to run a big um, television network and she would go home she was the like she had the main job in the house she would go home and when she parked her car in her garage she would stop for a minute and she would remind herself she would do self-talk to say like my husband and my child inside that house are not responsible for any of this. And I want, like, the reason I work so hard and do this is because I want to enjoy life with them. So I'm not going to bring that anger home. And she would catch herself. For me, it's more about like starting my day feeling grateful for everything I have. And I am super just I feel really very lucky in life but I just have to take a moment to remember that a stupid little thing is at maybe it's not stupid but a 
you know, silly little thing. At 11.11, you know, they say like when it's 11.11 on the clock, make a wish. I always stop to make a wish and there's only ever one thing I wish for. And that really resets where it's like, do I care that the plant isn't watered? Do I care that... I, I don't know, like the toilet paper roll is backward, all things that I, I get pissy about over for no reason and displace that anger. So those are like some some strategies that I use. Do you have any to add to that? Yeah, yeah. So I think when those things happen too, like we got to give ourselves grace. You know, we have to understand like things are not going to be aligned every single time the way that they need to be. And with that, you have to understand too that this other person might be innocent within that situation. You know, they have no idea what transpired at work or what happened at the game or what happened on your way home. So for you to give them that anger or shift that, you know, it, it could be a little bit reckless because now it can become a situation to where it's cantankerous. You know, this person is probably fed up, you know, and you give them that. So now y'all going back and forth. So, you know, just be a little bit mindful of how you interact or just be cognizant that you don't know what this other person might have going on, regardless if they're your partner or your children. You know, they still have uh, uh, feelings as well. They still should be validated as well and not get some type of anger or resentment or just nagging that somebody else should have got. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting because we think about this in terms of just like communication within intimate relationships, but it affects everyone around us, right? Like all of our loved ones, our friends, our families, our kids, even extended family, I'm sure roommates as well. So I think this is just such an important piece. Uh, I want to quickly touch on coping mechanisms. So you had briefly talked about destructive behavior and you had mentioned, you know, like substance abuse. You also mentioned promiscuity. And I just want to quickly remind people that when we talk about having sex with multiple partners or having lots of sex, what we're talking about is behavior that we feel is destructive because some people opt to have multiple partners and that's perfectly fine. But if you're in a committed relationship and you're cheating and it has to do with displacement or it has to do with, I guess, perhaps the lack of ability to talk about what you're feeling that's what you're talking about when you say an unhealthy coping mechanism right like promiscuity in and of itself can be a really good thing I think that term has become a bit loaded but some people can opt to be promiscuous and that's a great thing but for other people it's something that doesn't work for them but they continue to do it as a lashing out behavior is that correct Correct. When it's more of a defense mechanism or something that's caused to your detriment opposed to something that's because you can communicate with your partner or partners that, hey, I'm not going to be monogamous. That's between y'all. But if it's, oh, man, I'm just pissed off. I need to sleep with somebody that, you know, as a coping, as a way to feel better uh, about a certain situation, those things are detrimental. Like even in the sense of I had a long day. I'm just so upset. This happened. I'm mad. You know, you go drink five shots. Those things can be a detriment. So the same thing with being promiscuous. It's okay to, you know, if you, it's translated between your partners to, to do those things. But if it's a coping mechanism to ease the pain or the burden, uh, those things can be harmful. Right. And so is the outcome positive for you or negative for you? I think that's the big question with any behavior because almost no behavior is inherently good or bad. So I just want to delineate that because we're always talking about sex on the program. And if we talk about consensual non-monogamy and ethical non-monogamy and how you can be abstinent and be sexually healthy and how you can have many, many partners and be just as sexually healthy and everything in between. Before I let you go, I want to just change gears quickly here. First and foremost, I looked at your post, folks, you should be following along for sure, online, men to heal. But you posted about not waiting till someone's dead to give them flowers. What you wrote was... 
Don't wait for the eulogy to praise your brother. Tell them now. Express that love. Express that love and hug him if he's in proximity. How do we push ourselves over the hump when we're not used to expressing ourselves? Like so with Brandon, I'm super expressive. I can say very much how I feel, but I'm a walls person. Like I don't easily let people in. So with other people in my life, I struggle to say how I feel and I'm quite avoidant of intimate conversations. Like you see that, right? With other people. I definitely see that. And I also think as, I mean, this really resonates with me. I mean, I can't think of the last time where I said to one of my friends or somebody, you know, another another man in my life, hey, man, I really appreciate you. You know, I, I love you. I love, you know, what you stand for and all these sorts of things. And I think I, I think them and I feel them, but I just don't say them. So sometimes it's just that awkwardness where you, you know, I need to push myself to do it, knowing that I need to say it. But how? Like, but how, how do you do it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think, so you already recognize too that they're already doing these things and you want to say it, you just didn't do it. So I think the implementation part is something that you might got to work on. And that can be underlined in other areas of your life as well. So um, that might be, can be something that you challenge yourself to do. But I know for me, I'm overly expressive with my circle of guys like before we hang up the phone we tell each other yo i love you bro i appreciate you you know and just to make sure because one we don't know the last time or if that's the last conversation and then two like they need to know those things i don't know if he's like think about it. you just said like they should know but they do they know are you probably the only person that's going to tell them? What if everybody else is thinking like, oh, they know I love them and they're not getting those accolades from different people. And we don't know how much sensation or benefit it, it will help somebody else to hear those things. Like I've said, I said that quote probably at a conference, um, I think it was maybe 120 or so males. And um, that's why I said that because I want, I, I know for sure at least 50% of the males in the audience definitely don't do it. And after that, uh, I said that at the end of the speech, you know, a lot of them came up to me like, oh, man, listen, one, I don't really hear it all the time from not even just men, but other women. Like, I I haven't been told I'm loved or, you know, been praised a long time. So, again, you don't know what that'll do to somebody today. Somebody might need that. That can be an enhancer for them to keep going. So, for me, that's why I make it a, a, a statement to say that. And then... The eulogy piece, just think about it. every eulogy in the movie or that you've ever seen or read, it always say, oh man, listen, like everybody always had a positive thing to say, but when he or she was alive, you know, you didn't really tell that person. So I think, don't wait till my eulogy to tell me, let me know how you feel. So I think that's, that was the purpose of it because, you know, at, at those eulogies or those traumatic moments or somebody move away or you don't talk to them as often, you realize like, oh man, this person made an impact. Or I should have told them then, no, tell them now in proximity, you know, text them, call them, hug them. Texting is for me. Like I feel a lot more comfortable saying how I feel over text versus verbally. So that's going to be my challenge to myself and hopefully a challenge to everyone out there to to somebody that you don't normally express your love and appreciation for. Do it today. Do it right now. I also really like the language of I appreciate you. Like I hear that a lot from people and I feel a lot more comfortable saying that than I love you. So it's like baby steps, right? Like we we get there. Definitely do what's best for you and your situation and for the people around you in that relationship. Because like you said, you got personal boundaries and walls that you probably have to uncover, which is a good thing. You understand them and you enforce your boundaries because everybody have them. They just tend not to enforce them at times. But I definitely think it would be beneficial for somebody to hear it every now and again. Hey, I appreciate you. And they, you know, they probably look at it different. Like somebody's probably been like, oh, this Dr. Jess ain't gonna tell me that, you know, or she thinks I know that she's doing a good job or vice versa. But 
to hear, oh, Dr. Jess said she appreciate me? Oh, man. You know, that might change somebody's life, you know, regardless of what they're doing for you, even if it is their job or they getting paid or whatever. Like, it could make a difference in somebody's life, especially during this time of the year. A lot of people dealing with grief and trauma and just different moods because of the holidays. So to hear some small from somebody else, it can be so big, the impact coming from different people not even knowing or just to be noticed. A lot of people don't even feel that they're noticed in this world and they continue to go. So it can be uplifting. It can be life-changing. So, you know, that's I just want to make my stamp and make sure that I let people know, like, hey, I appreciate you. I see you. I love you. Keep up the good work. Just different stuff to enhance the relationship, not only for me and the person, but for that person for themselves. You know, that can affirm them. That can build our self-esteem. That can increase our confidence. That can do a lot of different things for them. So, you know, that's why I ensure that I do it. Yeah, I, that's that's a great motivation. I always think about that on the street, like just acknowledging people because in Toronto, nobody says hello. And I think especially people who like in, in Toronto are unhoused, they don't even get acknowledged. I always think it's so important to like stop and say hello. And it's weird how I'm more comfortable affirming strangers than people close to me. So I got to go look into that. <laughs> Some really great insights from you today. Thank you so much. Uh, before you go, you also have a board game called Cheesy Dates. Um, tell people where they can find that and what they're going to get out of that because people are always looking for date ideas. So Cheesy Dates is a board game that I created. So I started doing, like, my fiance. We get married in March. And Ooh, congrats. Yeah, thank you. The dates that we do are a, a lot of people deem cheesy, you know, because... Like I said, dates don't have to be expensive. They just have to be thoughtful, considerate, you know. So we'll do like eating in the park or walks or like little tedious things like going to light shows, going to see gardens and plants and stuff. But a lot of people feel like, no, nah, you're supposed to spend all this money or do extravagant stuff, which you don't. So I created a board game. It's, you know, you roll the dice. It's two sets of cards. One set of cards is the uh, different date ideas that you guys can do together. And then the other set of cards is based on tough questions that you should ask in a relationship, pre-relationship, or even while you're married in a relationship. And some of those questions are, how do you handle conflict? How do you think I handle conflict? Uh, what are your social views? There's so many different tough questions that people normally don't ask or have reservations about asking their partner. You know, so it's a good way to interact with you, you know, your relationship or your group of friends or whatever. It's so benefiting um, that for you guys to do that. So, you know, it's so many different tough questions that I think people should, should want to know. Like, even if it's a question of you want to explore adding somebody to your bedroom life, you know, like, how do you ask your partner that without them being offended or, you know, upset or thinking that you've had this fantasy or want to do it, explore. So you pick the card, that might be the question. So now it's a fun, engaging way opposed to you just, you know, trying to explore it. And then of course, the date ideas is just because men often don't become spontaneous after a while. Uh, yeah, me neither. I mean, I have no creativity. I love it. So it's called Cheesy Dates. You also are the founder of Meant to Heal. Folks, follow along. We'll be putting all that info in the show notes. And the author of Man, Just Express Yourself, available on Amazon. James Harris, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate your perspective. I appreciate you for extending the invitation. I definitely, definitely highly recommend uh, you continue to do what you're doing. A lot of people are learning and growing from this. And the easiest way to find me and all my tools is my website, www.mentohea.com com, and from there of course you can order the book subscribe to my youtube order the game order merch you know social media is there as well email me if you have questions or some you want to know if i don't have the answer i definitely get it and it's also a resource link on my page as well on my website awesome thank you so much 
I appreciate you. And thank you for listening. If you are shopping, check out tsc.ca and use code DRJESS25 to save pretty good discount on some fabulous toys. Wherever you're at, folks, have a great one. And I want to add, <laughs> wherever you're at, folks, and the men and women in my life that know me well, I love you. I appreciate you taking a page out of James's uh, help books and his session today. Yeah, that's such a good point. Actually, I have to say, I really do appreciate folks tuning in because it feels, um, I don't know, this feels like a really vulnerable, I don't, I guess, process or project to, to be sharing. So for folks who decide to spend all this time with us week after week, that's pretty cool. So thank you so much. Yeah, definitely. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life. Thank you.